This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. You remember the line in Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum, when he's uh, scolding the uh, uh, Hammond, right? Was that is the character's name? About the creation of the park. That you were so focused on whether you could, you didn't stop and think whether you should. Does the same apply to Facebook? There's no undoing that. There's no putting that genie back in the bottle. Social media is very much out of that bottle, and it's a part of our lives in so many ways. Now, I, I think there are a lot of positives with social media, the way that we can stay in touch with people, connect, I think, for, for us as a media entity, uh, to help share stories with people, to allow for conversation to take place. I think there's a lot of great things that, that social media offers. But there's certainly a downside, and in particular when it comes to, to children. Very much a downside, and, and I do worry about future generations and this generation coming up. Just the whole idea of real-life interactions, people-to-people interactions, are they losing that? What are the consequences of that? Have we even stopped to think about what the consequences of that might be? So this, to me, is really fascinating. you got one of the founders of, of Facebook, Sean Parker. You might also remember him as, as the Napster guy. He was, uh, didn't Justin Timberlake play him in the Facebook movie? Uh, he's expressing some remorse. He was uh, taking part in a, an event in Philadelphia this week where essentially he's offering a bit of a, a mea culpa for what him and Zuckerberg and others helped unleash on humanity. You know, if the, if the thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them to really understand it, that thought process was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. And that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while um, because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever. And that's going to get you to contribute more content. And that's going to get you, you know, more likes and comments. I mean, it's, a, it's, a val- it's a social validation feedback loop that, that it's like a, I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing that a, that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in, in human psychology. And I just, I, th- I think that we, you know, we, the inventors, creators, you know, and it's, it's me, it's Mark, it's the, you know, Kevin Systrom at Instagram, it's all of these people, um, understood this consciously and we did it anyway. Wow, so that's pretty profound. <laughs> They were exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. Should we be worried? Joining us uh, for some thoughts, pleased to welcome to the program here this afternoon, Gene Twenge, author of iGen, Why Today's Superconnected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. Gene, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, what do you make of those comments? Yeah, it's it's interesting how uh, many folks in the tech industry are now having doubts about um, what they created. So it's 
far back as 2010 when the iPad came out, there was a reporter who interviewed Steve Jobs and said, I bet your kids love the iPad. And Jobs said, no, they don't have iPads. We limit the amount of screen time they're exposed to at home. So even Steve Jobs limited his kids' screen time, and I think that says something. This idea about human psychology, uh, that we're exploiting human psychology, and a lot of people have talked about this, and you talked about this. I mean, uh, Sean Parker mentions that that dopamine hit, that instant feedback we we get and we crave when someone likes uh, our post or retweets us or whatever it is. There's that, and the fact that we're spending so much time interacting in this world as opposed to the real one. Are, Are there some actual consequences of all of this? Well, there appear to be. So, for example... There's these big um, surveys that are done of teens every year, and right around 2011 or 2012, when smartphones became popular and social media really took off, teens' mental health suddenly started to suffer. More and more started to report symptoms of depression, suicide risk factors. The actual suicide rate started to go up, Um, and that made me wonder if there might be a connection given that the timing lined up so precisely So then we went and looked to see if there was a link. Sure enough, teens who spend five or more hours a day on electronic devices are 71% more likely to have at least one suicide risk factor than teens who spend one hour a day. So do we understand then what that connection is? Well, yeah, there's a a number of factors. So one is if you're spending that much time on screens, it tends to crowd out time for other things that are more beneficial for mental health, like sleeping. Uh, and like spending time with friends and family face-to-face and in person, which is very good for mental health. Right, and this, you know, this, this fills a lot of those voids. I mean, it becomes such a huge part of, of people's lives, especially young people. So that's, that's part of it. I mean, the, the estimates vary, but teens uh, seem to spend about six to eight hours a day of their leisure time with new media and screens. That's an enormous amount of time, and perhaps as a result, right around that same time, about 2011 or 2012, um, teens interacting with their friends, so just getting together with their friends, going to parties, going to the mall, driving around in a car, all of those just plummeted. So they're just less likely to interact face-to-face and more likely to interact electronically. Well, and like I say, it's not going away, right? I mean, this this is our new reality, and even if they decided, you know what, Facebook's a mistake, let's close up shop, there's there's going to be something else, right? There's there's new sites that come along. I mean, there's Twitter, there's Snapchat, I guess Instagram's in the Facebook family, but I'm sure there will be others that come along too. Yeah, and, you know, there's no reason to, especially for older teens and adults, to say, okay, no no smartphones, let's go back in time. That's not going to work. Smartphones are actually wonderful devices when used at a small to moderate level. And that's what the research suggests, too. The sweet spot for health and happiness is a small to moderate amount of use. So that means an hour, two hours a day of use. And I think that's, that's good advice for teens and adults. So that way the smartphone is a tool that you can use and not have it be a tool that uses you. Right, in, in moderation, right? It seems cliche, but, but everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. That's really the way that this points. And I think that's a really good piece of news, too, that it's, 
you can you can see this. It's not that you need to yank the phone out of your teen's hand or as an adult, you know, give up this convenience. It's that just don't walk around with it in your hand all the time. Uh, and once we start to, to wean our kids off of this a little bit, though, are, are there some, some skills that they haven't learned? I mean, is just simple interaction, uh, talking on the phone, having face-to-face conversations, are there social skills that have been lost along the way? Yeah, and we don't know yet, and we need more research to determine that. But there's some early signs suggesting that social skills may be suffering because of screen time. So, for example, there's this one study that took sixth graders and had half of them go to a camp for five days with no screens compared to the other half who just kept up their usual use of screens. So the kids who were without screens for five days ended that time better able to read the emotions on other people's faces, which makes complete sense. Um, Social skills are complex. Um, They take time and practice to develop. So just as it takes time practicing on the piano to get good at the piano. It takes time interacting with other people face-to-face to get good at social skills, and today's teens are doing that less. When we talk about, when we look at other, it's, I, I wonder how it all ties together. And I mean, it's something you talk about in your book, because it seems as though, you know, on the whole, kids are okay. I mean, um, when it comes to uh, engaging in dangerous activity or committing crimes or having sex, all these other things that we worry about, it seems as though things are going in the right direction. Does that give us a false sense of complacency about how today's teens are doing? Well, it, it might, because iGen is more than likely the safest generation in history, physically. They're less likely to drink alcohol um, when they, they're less likely to get their driver's license uh, at a young age. And when they do get their driver's license, they're safer drivers. They're less likely to get into physical fights. But mentally, that's where those issues show up. So rates of depression have skyrocketed. The, as just one example, the suicide rate for young teen girls, those 12 to 14 years old, has tripled in the past 10 years. So in that way, sadly, they're not okay. And even if it doesn't reach that um, extreme and tragic level, there are more and more teens, about 50% more, who reach the clinical level for depression. So there's some serious mental health issues here, which no matter what their cause, we need to really pay attention to and uh, try to make sure that teens get the help that they need. Yeah. Great point. Well, Gene, we'll leave it there. Uh, more to genetwenge.com. That's uh, J-E-A-N for Gene and then T-W-E-N-G-E.com. More in your research uh, and your other books there as well. Appreciate your insight. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Thank you. All right. That's uh, Gene Twenge. Uh, is the author of iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. That sounds ominous, doesn't it? So it's an interesting admission from Sean Parker, but maybe what a lot of people already knew. And it's not just Facebook either. I mean, Facebook's a big part of the, um, of the, the social media landscape. But there are others. And it comes down to, I mean, you know, Google and YouTube uh, and, and everything. It's, it's a big picture here, right? So there's, there's a lot that our teens are engaged in uh, online. And so it, it would be wrong, I think, just to point a finger at Facebook or just to point a finger at YouTube or just to point a finger at Apple. Uh, there's the companies that build the technology. There's the companies that build these social media networks. There's the companies that, that do all these other things. So, sure, we understand the appeal. 
And as Gene said, it's not necessarily all inherently bad. It's just too much. There's too much of it out there. So it's naive to think that we're going to undo all of this. Uh, And even this mea culpa from Sean Parker doesn't mean that Facebook's closing up shop. I think it's an interesting admission from him that they almost kind of regret what they've created or regret what it's become. But you think Mark Zuckerberg's going to admit any of this? Uh, They've got some pretty big plans. Uh, If anything, Facebook is just going to get bigger. But it's not just young people either. I think all of us, it's a big part of our lives. Uh, My phone's been missing since yesterday. I think it's gone. I mean, it is weird, the uh, withdrawal you go through. To me, Facebook, I I see a lot of the positives. It's a great way to keep in touch with, um, you know, people you grew up with, with family. You know, people that in a a pre-social media world, you didn't necessarily keep in touch with. It's not like you're going to pick up the phone and, and call your cousin or call your friend from high school and see how things are. Maybe randomly you'd bump into them once in a while. But uh, so I think there's something positive being able to stay in touch with people and now how people are doing. Uh, they've got some kids and how the kids are doing. I, I like that side of it. And sure, everybody likes that. You know, I posted a picture and wow, look at all those likes. Look at all those notifications. You know, kids and adults alike. I mean, that's that, that kind of validation. People like that. So it does become addictive. So I think adults fall into that just as, as kids do. But for most of us, at least as adults, this is not what we grew up with. <laughs> we had a very different kind of childhood. And so this is kind of the experimental generation, I guess, where they're the ones growing up in all of this. And do we wait until it's too late to really fully understand the ramifications? So I'm curious what you make of all of this. 403-974-8255. That's 974-TALK. A quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.